Friday, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters Friday. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Through 25 seasons. Hey! 4,561 episodes. I believe the Oprah Winfrey Show was one of the greatest classrooms in the world. I really never thought of it that way. The aha moments, the breakthroughs, the connections, the occasional ugly cry. I miss him so terribly. I miss him every single minute. The LOLs, the moments that mattered, the eye-opening life lessons. Never allow them to take you somewhere else. I'm bringing them back. It's time to open the vault. I've personally chosen these classic episodes to share with you again. Every single person you ever will meet shares that common desire. They want to know, do you see me? Do you hear me? Does what I say mean anything to you? You are listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. Rudine Howard is a human skeleton living on what she calls God's will. After 11 years, she still suffers from life-threatening anorexia nervosa. We've been following Rudine's battle to survive for the past four months now. She discussed her obsessive fear of food. Still to this day, I still think of every calorie, and I could tell you any calorie in any food. Because I studied the diet book so much, it's just mm -hmm. like instant in my brain. Mm -hmm. Every time I see a piece of food, I see a calorie written on it instead of seeing what really? it looks like. So when you see an apple, you see? I see 80 calories. Mm -hmm. And you see a banana, you see? 100 calories. And you see french fries, and you see? 220. You see a donut, you see? 185, depending on what type. You see a slice of bread? 70. A piece of chicken? 325 for a breast, fried. You can look in the mirror now at 48 pounds the way you look today, mm -hmm. and you, you still see yourself as being fat? Yes. Even if you can look in the mirror and see yourself as being a fat person, you, you have to feel your bones. You have to, f I mean, you can feel that there's no fat here. You can feel that. It feels like holding a skeleton, almost. So when you would feel that, would you still think that you're fat? To me, I would be, because I, would measure my fingers around my arms and when they got bigger that's when I started getting scared when I couldn't get my fingers to touch that's when I would start dieting again that I wouldn't let it go farther but now I can see because I can go farther around a few months after our conversation Rudine was hospitalized still fighting anorexia so people still saying then but I don't feel that well, as I mentioned, we have followed Rudine the past four months. As she struggles to recover from this disease, a doctor say should have killed her by now. And she joins us today, weighing 12 more pounds than she did the day I met her, Rudine Howard. We're glad to have you with us, Rudine. And later in the show, others will share their stories of how life-threatening eating disorders, that's what we're talking about today, 
eating disorders that have taken over their life. One young woman admits to vomiting up to 10 times a day in order to keep her weight down. And another woman had to claim bankruptcy because of the thousands of bad checks that she wrote to restaurants and grocery stores in order to buy food for her eating addiction. But right now we're talking to Rudine about anorexia. And I said to you four months ago when you were 48 pounds, which means you're now, what, 60 pounds? Yes. 60 pounds. When you were 48 pounds and, and we in interviewed you at your house, I said, it is so difficult for me to understand how you don't see yourself the way the rest of us see you. Yes. Your brain just doesn't, it doesn't see it. It's, you're so willed to be thin that Every time you still look, you still feel fat. Mm -hmm. Do you still feel fat at 60 pounds? Truthfully, yes. Mm -hmm. I heard that it was difficult for you. Very difficult. Gaining these 12 pounds because it's not really what you want to do. No, it, I, it was still a fight in the hospital. I agreed to have the hyperalimentation because I had kidney infection and I, I know I needed it. Mm -hmm. I had to gain it. But it still every day was a fight mm -hmm. to do it. I mean, a fight inside of me. It mm -hmm. was, very, very hard. Mm -hmm. And so now that you know that you've gained 12 pounds, is there somewhere in your head the, the urge to, to lose it? Yes, there's still the urge, but I'm feeling better, and there's more will to get better, to gain. Because don't you know that if you don't gain, you're not going to be able to survive? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Are you surprised yourself? Because at one time you were 38 pounds. Oh, yeah. Uh, looking at those pictures now, it stuns me. I guess at that time, I couldn't see it because there's no glucose or any energy in your brain just to see it. The only thing you think about at that weight is to breathe. I would lay in bed and I'd pray to God, just keep me alive, breathe, just breathe, breathe. And then, even though I knew that I had to eat, when they brought me food, I would start shaking. I just thought of calories right away and mm -hmm. how much weight would, I would gain. And I. How did this start? Because when you were a little girl growing up, you were normal. Mm -hmm. It started when I was 13. I had gotten overweight. I went to 165 pounds. I was a freshman in high school, and I was very had a very low self-esteem of myself. So I started a diet and I would work out, and I started a normal diet. And when I started losing weight, it wasn't fast enough, so I just cut down to a half grapefruit a day and a little bit of salad and Diet Coke at night. Well, that still wasn't fast enough, so I was just a half a grapefruit. Well, this went on for three months, and I had lost 50 pounds then, and I got to the point of where I just couldn't even eat. I just drank water for like two, three weeks. But well, then where's your energy? How do you move? How do you work? How do you function? Willpower. Mm -hmm. You just, you know, and the reserve I had, I was at a normal, you know, I was overweight and I had some reserve to keep going. Mm -hmm. I was very tired when I started getting down to 110 and 105 and, you know, as I was going lower. When and did you know that you were in trouble, Rodane? When my parents brought me to see a psychiatrist and they told me I had anorexia nervosa. And, and how much did you weigh then? I was about 110 at that time. Mm -hmm. And I had lost, like I said, about 50, 55 pounds within three months. So he had told my parents that if I kept going, I'd be in serious you know, danger, that this is an upcoming disease that many girls at my age are now 
getting mm -hmm. and they don't realize that they have it and it can be very fatal mm -hmm. and he hospitalized me after he said if I didn't start eating again that he would hospitalize me and after a week and I refused to eat so I was put in the hospital and at a medical hospital and then I lost 10 pounds there I managed to do that so he put me in a psychiatric hospital where I got to the point of maintaining my weight and I was there for five weeks and he released me and it was about a hundred pounds. Do you want to get better? Oh yes. Mm -hmm. I pray to God every day. It's a spiritual battle inside of me that I have to accept myself and there's a reason for me. God God has put me here for a reason. I gotta do work. I've gotta do something. Mm -hmm. Do you feel physically better now that you've gained the 12 pounds? Oh much better. Mm -hmm. I mean I fought though. I really, I hated it. I cried and I feel fat to stay. But I got to tell myself that's how God wants me. And one day I'll look at myself and I won't be fat to myself. Mm -hmm. That I'll look normal and I'll be at a normal weight. So at 60 pounds today, you feel overweight? Very much so. And how tall are you? Five foot five. Five foot five and you weigh 60 pounds. Mm -hmm. Dr. Parker is with us. He's the hypnotist who's treating Rudine. And in addition to his work, with Rudine. Dr. Parker has successfully treated people suffering from migraine headaches and smoking and psychological blindness. We're glad to have you join us. Um, what is this? I mean, I certainly have read about it, done shows about it for years, and I think not until I met Rudine have I been face to face with how absolutely dangerous and life-threatening anorexia is. And I know that there are millions of people who are watching who are just like me, who don't get it, who don't understand, okay, so you start a diet and you start to losing some weight and then you realize I've lost too much. What happens to her that she doesn't see that? Anorexia nervosa is very mysterious, Oprah, and there's no one in the world who knows how it starts or when it starts. Mm -hmm. And the victim is in precarious, in a precarious situation just because of this mysterious aspect of the illness. So what I guess I'm trying to figure out, is it so, does something happen to her brain? Is that why it's called nervosa? Does something happen to her nerve center or that she no longer sees herself in the way she is? I don't know who would know a correct answer to that, but whatever it is, the fact remains that if one voluntarily refuses to eat, there can come a point at which anorexia clicks in and mm. then it becomes as powerful as the addiction of alcohol or cocaine. Really? So is it a physical addiction or mental addiction or both? I'd say that it becomes a little bit of both because the body is able to manufacture its own narcotics after a certain level of malnutrition. And so why was it decided that hypnosis was the answer to curing her? Her physician invited me to uh, work with her because he was frustrated that orthodox medical treatments were not effective, as you saw. So he felt that hypnotherapy might work because it's often effective in areas where orthodox medicine simply doesn't do the job, especially in self-esteem, and I think ultimately anorexia is about self-esteem. Mm -hmm. And so hypnotherapy has helped you where other orthodox treatment has not? Yes. And what has it done? It's enhanced my self-esteem. Mm -hmm. I'm accepting myself much more mm -hmm. and a greater will to live. Mm -hmm. 
Do you think if there had been something else in your life, if you had been, I don't know, captain of the cheerleading team, but I don't know, cheerleaders become anorexic too. I mean, is it because you didn't feel strong enough or self-worthy enough? Not good enough. Or yeah. not good enough? I didn't. I felt like I could never please my parents, that no matter how hard I strive, I still wasn't up to par. I, mm -hmm. You know, I wasn't doing a good enough job. And so the dieting and dieting to the point of becoming anorexic was a way of controlling your life? Oh, yes. Everything else in the world was out of control. That's the one thing you have under control is your weight and your, the way you look and your diet. And that's one thing that you have very strong hold of. Mm. Friday, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters Friday. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. This is an excerpt from a letter written by my next guest. She says, as a victim of bulimia for seven years, I believe it is about time to come out of the closet and acknowledge this disease. I've lost total control of my life. After attempting suicide two times and failing, things still seem to be on a spiral down for me. I feel as though it's time to give up. I have no friends anymore. Sylvia has filed bankruptcy to get rid of all the debts from writing thousands of bad checks for food. She says even if she does eat only two bites of food, she forces herself to throw up and remembers the time when she snuck into her room vomiting in cans and garbage bags to hide her bulimia from her parents. My next guest admits that her constant vomiting is causing her to lose most of her teeth. She throws up at least 10 times a day and feels like she's attached with a ball and chain to her bathroom. She says she doesn't want to live if it means being like this for the rest of her life, but she doesn't know if she can stop her bulimia. Meet Peggy. We're glad to have you both um, join us with Rudine. So when you wrote this letter, you were feeling pretty bad. Yeah, I was at mm -hmm. my wit's end. Mm -hmm. I've been that way a lot lately. Uh -huh. I just feel there's no hope. No hope. How long have you been bulimic? Seven years since I was 16. This is a fascinating thing to me. It's like, how do you come upon it? I mean, where do you first decide that I think I'm going to go eat a lot and I'm, then I'm going to throw up? Well, I started out overweight and then I went on a crash diet. I went to the health club um, about five times a week and I would wear like two pairs of sweats and I'd work out and all I would drink is Diet Pop for about six months and I lost about 60 pounds. It got to the point where I wanted to eat and I couldn't keep the weight off. I started gaining weight. So at a party one time, my friend showed me how to throw up. And for about two years, I would keep it a secret. And like I said, I would throw up in anything, garbage cans, pots, pans, store it in my closet until my parents would leave. And then I'd go get rid of it in the toilet. It came to the point where after about two years, my parents found out and they hospitalized me. And I signed myself out, went away to college, and I thought I'd get better, but I didn't. Just last year, I signed myself back in again. They put me on antidepressants. I got out of the hospital and my insurance company decided that they weren't going to cover me and I got stuck with the $25,000 bill. I tried killing myself. I took the whole bottle of antidepressants and I was in intensive care for about half a week and then I was brought to a medical unit and then they put me to a state hospital because I was um, awarded the state because I had no insurance. Mm. And it took a really hard time for my parents to get me out. And I swore I would never kill myself again but I don't want to live that way anymore. Mm. Recently I've just... So what uh, does that mean? 
I live to eat. I eat, that's all I do all day. I mean, when I'm at work, I just can't wait to get home. And I've gone through how many jobs a year, five, six jobs a year. I can't hold friends, I can't hold a job. I don't even consciously think about it. I write the check for food, a restaurant, a grocery store, and just so I have food. I mean, I live to eat. I could eat $100 worth of food in one day. I, I just sit there and eat, throw up, eat, and throw up. I just, it numbs me, it just consciously doesn't. And so y you still do this every day? Yeah, I just filed bankruptcy about a um, few weeks ago, mm -hmm. and I was told I could never write a check again, so I ripped up all my checks and everything, but I'll find other ways. I'm intelligent, I'm smart, I have a lot going for me, I'm not stupid. I, I find other ways to get money to support my habit. I would do anything. And the habit is food. Right. Well, I know it's not the food, it's not the issue, it's what's going on in my life, and I just know I need long-term intense treatment, and no insurance company will accept me, and I just feel there's no hope because no one will take me. I've been an outpatient, I'm seeing a therapist now, I can't afford it. I, I live on my own, my parents won't let me back in the house, um, they just can't live the way they lived when I was living there. Because mm -hmm. so it just know. disrupts the rest of the family. Yeah. I know I, I, I talked to Rudine's parents, and they, they are still very supportive of Rudine, but you can tell, they, they, I mean, it's broken them, you know, and not just in terms of financially and the bills and the hospital, but it's just, first of all, most people don't understand it. They're trying to figure out what is going on. You're miserable. There's nothing else to say. You're miserable. Nothing in your life seems to work. You, you think it is superficially for a day or two or for an hour or for a minute. It just drops again. You're never happy. So did you date? Did you have boyfriends? And Yeah, basically I have no girlfriends. All my friends are basically guy friends. I mm -hmm. can only relate to guys. And whenever that person's not there for me, I think they hate me. And it always seems I'm always by myself then. I always end up by myself. Mm. I never keep friends too long. And so do you, do you purge every single meal? So if you ate I really any don't eat a set meal. I don't. You I don't, don't eat, eat a set meal. Mm -hmm. No, you do what? I just eat when I have the time or when it's convenient. A lot of times, if I wake up in the morning and I even have like a cup of coffee, it sets me on a binge cycle and I call in sick to work. And that's basically why I miss my job because I, I just don't go to work. I'd rather sit home and be by myself in my own little apartment and just eat. And what do you eat? Anything to make. I don't have a big thing for sweets. I'm basically like um meats and potatoes and noodles and eggs are my big thing, breakfast thing, eggs and sausage. And, and how much will you eat? Well, when I usually go shopping, I go like, I spend $40, but I go in the generic aisle so I can get more of my money. And mm -hmm. I, I just buy everything and anything. I probably eat about two dozen eggs. Two in one sitting? In one sitting? Oh yeah, two things of sausage with a whole big thing of biscuits. And then I would go throw it up and then I'll go make myself a steak with some baked potatoes. Then I go throw that up and then I'll go to pancakes, something sweet. To, and this whole time I'm numb, I don't, I don't realize it. And I swear when I'm, it's gross, but when I'm by the toilet, I swear I would never do it again, but it just, as soon as I pick my head up, I'm back there again, I have no control. Hmm. And I know I need treatment, I, I want treatment, but no one will accept me. No insurance will cover it. It's just really sad. And I know that there's a lot of things medically wrong with me, and yeah, I Yeah, because this I destroys your body. I, can't, I, yeah. I can't do anything about it. My mm -hmm. parents can't help me anymore. They've helped me all they can. Mm. So what is, the, what is the answer for you? What do you think? I mean, obviously, I know I need you are here. I mean, being here is a major cry for help. Yeah, because everyone thinks, I start out anorexic, and everyone thinks that I have anorexic. I've never can admit to I have bulimia. Now everyone knows I have bulimia. Mm -hmm. I need long-term intense treatment. I've been in hospitals twice before, you know, a month and a half, a month. It, it does good while I'm there, and a few weeks after I get out, but it's right back to it. I've been doing it for seven, going on eight years now, and 
it's going to take a long time to get back off of it again. Mm. And there's nothing, nothing state funded, nothing available for. Mm -hmm. You understand this? Yes, I do. I also feel I'm sitting a little bit further away from that. Because? I feel there is hope, and I do see a light at the end of the tunnel. And mm -hmm. I really honestly feel that I can get over this. Do you, are you still binging and purging? Yes, I do. Mm -hmm. On a daily basis? Yes, on a daily basis, but on a much more controlled basis. Yeah, much what does that controlled. mean? It means that I've learned how to feed myself so that I'm not starving, so I have to go and binge and eat something. Mm -hmm. um, it means that I've learned that there's a lot more to life. Are you still throwing up 10 times a day? Oh, that, there have been days, but not as much as it used to be. Not like it used to be, no. Mm -hmm. I just don't want to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I want to live my life. I want to move on. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how I'm going to do this, but. Mm -hmm. um, so when's the last time you were binging and purging? Yesterday. Mm -hmm. Yesterday. But as far as. And um, same for you? I threw up my coffee this morning. That's mm -hmm. all I had mm -hmm. this morning. But it's only coffee, so is it ever? It doesn't matter. Mm -mm. I've gained five pounds over the weekend because I was so nervous eating, and I, I just, I feel really uncomfortable right now. I'm just having a hard time dealing with it. Because you gained five pounds over the weekend. Over the weekend. I don't have a scale. I went to my mom's this morning and stepped on the scale, and I almost freaked out. Because of five pounds. Mm -hmm. So when you say you live for food, it means your entire life, your entire life is controlled by either what you weigh or what you ate or what you didn't eat and... Yeah, I could be with my family, which basically that's all I have in life anymore, and be having a good time. Everyone seems to be, think I'm having a good time and I just, I'm thinking about, God, two more hours until I get home and just eat, 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 and just get rid of it. And that. when you're eating, when you're in the midst of eating two dozen eggs and two packages of sausage and throwing that up and then making a steak and making some pancakes, does it feel, do you feel comforted? Do you feel soothed? Do you feel, feel at peace? Do you feel... That's my friend. Hmm? Yeah, you know. That's my friend. It never lets you down. It's always there for you. No one else has always been there for me, and that's always there for me. That's my one crutch in life, my one friend. Friday, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters Friday. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Joining us now is Dr. Patricia Santucci who is a psychiatrist specializing in what we've been talking about today, eating disorders. And she says that 5 million women and 1 million men have eating disorders, and 10 to 15% of all college-age women suffer from bulimia. We're glad to have you join us uh, and, and help sort this out. I mean, there are many of us who have a weight problem, who can relate to this only in terms of feeling somewhat controlled by food and getting up and weighing and so forth and so forth on and wishing that you were a different weight. It's difficult to understand though when you have the problem that you don't see how big of a problem it is until you're, you're chronic. Can you explain that to us? Well, I think what happens is that a lot of people will start to diet because they want to feel better about themselves. But there are some individuals that are going to be very vulnerable to this. There's enough pressure and culture to be thin. 
But individuals who start to diet and then all of a sudden get caught on this roller coaster find they can't stop it, and it may be because they're depressed. Can I? Yeah, I want to stop you there. Why is it that some people get caught on the roller coaster, like Rudine, and become anorexic, and other people get caught and become bulimic, and other people just lose the weight and then they are fine? Well, there are many reasons. There, there are just so many reasons. Part of that aspect of self-esteem, I want to improve myself, I want to feel better, weight seems to be a way. Individuals who have anorexia and bulimia seem to be perfectionists also. They're, they're hard-striving individuals. They, they want the best. They want all of it. And issues of control are important. Sometimes there's nothing in your whole life that you can control except your food or, quote-unquote, your body. Mm -hmm. Sylvia was saying that she thinks it's over, that there's no hope. There's always hope. There's always hope, absolutely. I think that's the one thing you know, that we constantly say to individuals. You keep trying. If there's one thing that works for you, fine. Share it with somebody else. Get involved in programs. Get involved in alternative is, treatments. Is this something you can stop yourself? Could she tomorrow morning, through the power of positive thinking, whatever, wake up and stop doing this? It's very hard because a lot of, a lot of eating disorders still want to hold on to the dieting. And they don't realize that physiologically that there's going to be a drive for hunger. So it's not just an aspect of just simply, I won't eat. You must eat. You must eat. Part of that getting well is allowing yourself to eat so that you won't binge. Mm. So the problem with bulimia is the binging. Well, what happens with the binging is that you get so anxious after you've quote unquote lost control that your next step is to purge it out in some form, whether it's vomiting, laxatives, whatever. But isn't there a way, because Sylvia said she just had, she just had a cup of coffee this morning. And so, obviously, if you are, are this much in control, you know coffee has no calories. Calories doesn't matter. It's just a matter. feeling. I, calories I, don't matter to you. Calories mm -hmm. matter to you, routine, though. Yes, but still, even if I have anything in there, it has to come out. So you've been bulimic, too? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The purging, the purging in some way gives a sense of relief. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we're talking about here also is ways of coping with this increased tension. And the purging for individuals, whether it's exercise or whatever, gives that, ah, but then the cycle starts again. Yeah. And that's well, I would like to right now for you to just run down the list of how bad that is because undoubtedly we try to do this show to help all the people out there who are suffering from this this disease or people who have not even identified it for themselves or people who are trying to cope and they see see our guests here and recognize that they are not alone but undoubtedly there'll be somebody who will watch and say you know what that's not a bad idea so I want you to right now Dr. Santucci tell us how bad it is well 10 to 15 percent will die you'll end up not only depressed with mood swings, suicidal ideation, you lose your teeth, you lose your hair, you lose your periods, you get cardiac arrests. If you abuse laxatives, you can end up with losing your bowel, literally having it resected. And it isn't, it doesn't, it's futile, it doesn't work. For whatever reason, you hope that the anorexia or the bulimia would give you that sense of self-esteem or feeling good, it turns around and it totally wipes you out. It's not a solution to anything. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Mm -mm. I wish I never started it. It is the worst illness. Do you remember um, when you first started the first diet? Yes. Uh huh. And it, I felt good, but then it got so out of control that it's a terrible feeling. 
-hmm. I had a cardiac arrest because of my bulimia and denial is one of the major mechanisms involved in this. I still to this day have a hard time believing that it's because of that that I had the cardiac arrest. Mm -hmm. How old are you? I'm 29. Mm -hmm. Who wants to speak? You're having a tough time, right? You're having, you're having a tough time because you're the mother of Amy, right? Right. And you're the sister of Amy. So yeah, yeah. And you're having a tough time because? Uh, well, because she sounds like these other people and it goes on and on and it's, it's just takes a long time. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to see her starve herself. Mm -hmm. Are you starving yourself? Not anymore. Mm -hmm. I was. Mm -hmm. She did yesterday. <laughs> she did yesterday. Yeah, she wouldn't eat out. Because we were out and she wouldn't eat something because she didn't know how many calories were in that. Mm. My grams are fat. <laughs> and so she went home and had a hot dog after, you know, so she could add it up. She won't eat. Is this, um. Rudine? Rudine. It's Amy's story. Totally. And it's scary because we don't know where this is going to stop. I mean, Amy will tell us, oh, no, don't worry about it. I eat. No big deal. But she sounds just like her. She's 14 freshman in high school, went into the hospital, and is out. We don't know what to do anymore, and my mom is really scared. Mm -hmm. And I want to support her, and I want to support her, but at the same time, I don't know what I'm talking about, you know? It's like, eat, you know? And she thinks that she's heavier than I am, and that's absolutely ridiculous. So, you, you know, if she looks at me and says, well, you're skinny, and I'm fat, when if we got in the scale together, it would be proof that it wasn't true. Mm -hmm. I don't know what you do. What do we tell her? How can we help Amy? How can I help Amy? Rudine, you've been right where she is. You've been 14, right where she is. Yeah. Oh, it's so hard. Uh, you got to keep supporting. My parents were behind me all the time, no matter how hard. Every day I said, I, you know, I was going to eat and I didn't eat. You got to pray. You got to let God come into your life. You've got to start realizing that He put you on here. He gave you this body on earth. You've got to nourish it. There's something out there for you to do. You're worth it. You're very worthy. I can see right here. You're a beautiful person. You have so much ahead of you. But Rudine, you were right there and your parents told you the exact same thing when you were this age. Mm -hmm. And now how old are you? I'm 25. 25 years old. You've been as thin as 38 pounds. And when you were 14 years old and 110 pounds and your parents were trying to tell you the same thing, you didn't listen. No, no. And I've gone through so much. I wish I did listen. I still don't listen. It is so hard. There is no answer. All I can say is you, you've got you to accept yourself. You've got to get more inside of you. you you've got to see what you've got. You've got to offer it. And another thing about anorexia and bulimia is they're very competitive. Mm -hmm. They're very stubborn and they're very competitive. You compete with yourself, you compete with others constantly. If you lose a pound, you're on a high. If you gain a pound, your day is ruined. Forget it, don't get near me. Mm. You know. Dr. Santushi, what do you say to this family? Well, to this family, I would say get to your closest and its mm -hmm. support group because there you're going to learn about anorexia and, and bulimia. You're going to get the support. It's free. You're going to be able to talk with other people who have found different techniques. And I think that's important. There are many techniques to use. You've got to be open and try those things. But most important, you're going to get the support from other individuals who've been there. And sometimes just hanging on with them 
may be the answer for you, but you've got to trust it. Being in the support group gives people an opportunity to see, number one, they're not alone, mm -hmm. and how other people are coping with it. Sure, breaking that shame and secrecy is so important because you can't get the support otherwise. And would you advise that this family do it? Because, see, you could say, well, she's not really as bad as Rudine yet, but the problem is there's, it seems to me that anorexia doesn't know when to, when to quit. That's right. And it just goes right over the edge and yeah, back. As long as it's interfering, you know, it's interfering not only in her life, but in her family's life, then it's significant. It doesn't make any difference how severe, it's still interfering. Mm -hmm. Can I yes. say something, Oprah? Yes. I think Amy should get help now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She, you know, you say there's nothing going on, but there is. You just don't know how to express your feelings. It's feelings that are going on. You're saying, oh, no, it's nothing, it's nothing. Well, it just builds up and it gets worse. Mm -hmm. And if your parents, I know my it. parents, they deny, they think, oh, she knows what she's doing. She's smart, intelligent. She can fight for herself. She can't. You got to take control of it now. You have to take control over her situation and help her now. And you have to get professional help. There's no way on your own you're going to get over this. Mm -hmm. You have to. There's I mean, I, I, through private practice. I scheme with my parents to sign myself out of the hospital. And, and the longer it goes, the harder it gets, and the worse it gets. Mm -hmm. Oprah, these words are more important than what any professional is going to say to her, because these girls have been there. They know. And that's the purpose of that support group. The other thing, too, all I ever wanted to do was find someone that had gotten over this. That's when I've been in groups and you know, you, you never think anybody does, but I've met people that have, and I feel myself that I'm on that way. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting, too, because I wonder when you are sitting where you all have been and where Amy is sitting now, you can't even see it, though. So somebody's saying to you, you have the problem doesn't work because you don't think you have the problem. I think with bulimics... Because she just said, there. oh, no, I eat. She just denied, totally denied it, didn't you? But Oprah, yeah. but, but yeah. eating's not the issue. It's what's yeah. going on in your head. It's, yeah. it's, it's what you're thinking. Feelings. That's right. It's your feelings. No, she says and nothing's going on. Well, something on is going food. on. Every, yeah. And the it's weight, not. and it's not. It's just it's a symptom of it, and it can lead. You know, it it's part of it, but it's not that. That's not the issue. So you Oprah. all are really, I guess, no different than say a crack addict, except that you use the food. Just as crack is a symptom of a problem that is deeper than the drug, mm -hmm. right. the food is a symptom of a problem that is deeper than the food. Right. And right. you use the food as a way of manifesting what that problem is. That's pretty accurate. That's pretty dispersing accurate. dispersing it. Yeah. Uh -huh. But someone with a drug problem can, you know, they give up drugs or alcohol, they give it up. They don't have to eat food to survive every day. Mm -hmm. Right. We have to learn how to, you know, deal with it three times a day or more. One of the reasons we're doing this show is so that people can get help. You wanted to say, Sylvia? Most people don't seek um, help because they can't afford it, and a lot of insurances won't cover it unless, basically, unless you're dying. And I think that's really sad that people won't mm -hmm. cover it because this is a major, major issue, and more people are coming out of the closet. And I just think that people should become aware of it and start covering some of it so that some of us can get help and go on with our lives. Well, I hope that life gets better for all of you. I hope you gain some weight and feel good about it. Thank you for joining us. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah Show, the podcast. And I thank you for listening.